The battle of wizards and warriors continues with iron swords. The evil wizard Malkil will take the shape of the earth, wind, water, and fire. Farewell! The fate of the world is in your hands! You're listening to the Piercing Wizard Podcast, and I'm your host, Ryan Willett. I'm a professional body piercer with 20 years experience, I travel around the world teaching technique and safety classes, and I'm a member of the Association of Professional Piercers. Listen in as I talk to my friends and colleagues about our industry so we can all stay sharp. Hi everybody, how you doing? Welcome back to another episode of the show, I appreciate you tuning in. Uh, this week is going to be kind of a year-end recap for 2018 rather than uh, an interview show. So I uh, just wanted to say happy holidays, you know, uh, whatever holiday you choose to celebrate or if you don't really celebrate any holidays at all, happy end of the year. Um, I'm going to be kind of doing a little recap of some of the things that happened uh, for me over the course of 2018 and I put a Google form online for some anonymous questions. I'll be talking about some of those subjects as well. First off, I really just wanted to talk about my, my private seminars and say a huge thank you to everyone who took the time to, to come out to one of them this year. So I've been doing the Understanding and Applying Freehand Piercing Techniques class uh, all over the place. You know, I, I've held a lot of them this year and I had 203 attendees to my private classes in, in 2018. So I just want to say just a huge thank you to everyone who took the time to, to come out to these classes. I know it's tough. You know, some of you have to take days off of work. Some of you have to drive long distances or even fly in from different cities. And I really do appreciate that. Most of the instructing I've done over the last several years has always been at conferences, you know, whether it's APP or UK APP or whoever else was kind enough to invite me over to, to teach a class. But I thought it was really important to get education out there and, and make it a little bit more mobile, you know, for the people who don't have the opportunity to, to go to Las Vegas or go to BMXNet or go to UKAPP or go to these different conferences. I wanted to try to bring some education to different areas. And it's really given me a lot of ideas for different classes going forward. A lot of different people I want to partner up with and support what they're working on. You know, Bador up in Canada, you know, I really want to give a lot of support in 2019 to what Bador's doing up around the Ontario area. And, you know, just keep doing these private classes anywhere that people are willing to, to show up and listen to me talk for a few hours. So I uh, just wanted to say it really quick. You know, uh, I did classes in Boston. Austin, Chicago, London, Baltimore, Orlando, San Francisco, Hamilton, Ontario, uh, and Vancouver, and uh, Vancouver, Washington. And I, I really just want to say a huge thank you. You know, I, I don't want to get sappy, but um, 203 people chose to come out to my private classes over the last year, and that's just huge to me. That seems really overwhelming. And uh, I just want to say thank you. I, I really do appreciate it. Uh, I'm always looking for information and uh, feedback for what I can do to make my classes better, or if there's a, a particular kind of class, or if you want me to co-instruct with someone, or just, you know, teach something totally new that, that, hasn't, been, uh, that hasn't been done before. So I, I'd really like to make this kind of a, a collaborative effort in the future. So if anyone has any feedback or any sort of ideas on, on things I can do going forward, I'm, I'm very, very open to uh, constructive criticism. So uh, definitely reach out. But uh, again, I just wanted to say thank you. To kind of give you some, uh, you know, Dad Ryan uh, advice, anybody who did come out to one of my seminars, make sure you hang on to your receipts from your trip, you know, hang on to the invoice from the class itself, 
uh, any sort of travel expenses, hotel expenses, even food expenses, those are all tax deductions for you. So make sure whenever you file your, your taxes coming up soon that you tell your accountant, you tell H&R Block, you tell whoever's helping you out filing your forms that you paid for some education over 2018 for your career. And you can definitely get some tax advantages for that. I know it's not really like sexy or super interesting to talk about finances and taxes and things like that, but I really want body piercers to really understand that you know, you can take advantage of all these different tax incentives, like every other industry, you know, body piercing is a legit career. So, you know, when you're doing education and things like that, it is a tax deduction. So keep that in mind, hang on to all your receipts, pass them along to whoever you need to pass them along to, and, uh, you know, save yourself from, from having to pay some taxes. Another thank you that I have to make is all the different body jewelry companies and different companies that are supplying material that, that keeps our industry going. Uh, you know, I don't want to, uh, be a kiss ass, but you know, you, you really do have to stop and, and think that all these people that make our jewelry, uh, make our needles, make our gloves, make our sterilizers, you know, support us and give us training and, and give us the materials that we need to, to keep our shops running. Those are all people with lives and those are all people with families and personal time. And they all, uh, they all feel stress the same way that we feel stress, you know, and I'm sure a lot of these body jewelry companies are feeling extra stress. You know, everybody knows over 2018 that body jewelry wait times were, were growing and growing and growing, you know, and I, I know we all get really frustrated over it. I know we all get like pissed off and grumpy and start complaining and shouting in forums or, you know, whining or, or you know, calling jewelry companies every other day to check when their order is going to be in. And I, I understand that, you know, I've done the same thing over 2018 because it can get tough managing these logistics, you know, but you really want to think that there are some people working really hard behind the scenes to, you know, not only keep it going at the same rate, but try to improve it and try to make things better for the industry. And I really just want to say an extra special thank you to them. Um, I, I don't want to start naming all the different companies that, that uh, I use in my own studio because I don't want to forget anybody. I don't want anyone to feel like they have uh, preferential treatment, but I really just want to say an extra special thank you to everyone that I have spent even $1 with. Um, I wouldn't be able to keep my business going if you didn't keep your business going. So I know it gets frustrating. You know, Try to see the light at the end of the tunnel. I hope you're all doing really well financially. I hope you're all doing really well um, taking care of your, your staff and, and your families and their families. Um, I, I know that everybody's working really hard to reduce wait times and increase their manufacturing capabilities, their logistics and all those things. And I just want to say thank you. Um, if you haven't heard that recently, uh, thank you. Because without you, there is no us. So it's definitely a symbiotic relationship. And, uh, you know, we need to keep each other strong. So if there's any sort of tension in the air, if you're a body piercer and you're getting really frustrated at, at wait times or, you know, if you're trying to take it out on the, the person who just answers the phone and, and just has some uh, some information to give you, um, you know, every now and then just say thanks, you know, mail them a, a card at the end of the year or something like that. Just tell them that you appreciate them because, you know, some of them might need to hear it. Um, you know, I've, I've done that in the past where I've sent out Christmas cards to, to some of my vendors. You know, we get them in turn. You know, sometimes you get a nice Christmas card from a company or maybe you get a nice box of chocolates or something like that. That shows that they care about us, you know, so we want to show that we care about them too. So don't don't forget to say thank you sometimes with these body jewelry companies and uh, all the different manufacturers and, and suppliers for our studios. 2018 was a really big year for the board of directors of the APP. You know, we had a ton of really hard work to do, um, you know, all different kinds of really serious real world issues. You know, it wasn't even just about 
body piercing and, and body piercing, you know, health, safety, and education. You know, it was dealing with society issues, you know, harassment or biases and, and all different kinds of things. And I really just want to say that I'm, I'm very proud to have been able to serve on the board of directors for the APP, particularly with the other people who are on the board, all super impressive professionals. I learned a lot, you know, personally and professionally. I think I'm a, a better person for serving on the board. And I really just want to say again, thank you to everyone who keeps the APP running. There are a lot of people who don't necessarily get the credit they deserve, you know, so I just want to say uh, again, kind of a, a general thank you to everyone rather than singling people out because nobody likes to be forgotten if you're making a, a list of 20 people when it should have been 21. So I just want to say thank you to everyone. You know, there are a lot of people working uh, in offices and, and taking time away from their families and taking time away from their businesses, volunteering their time to, to be on the board of directors, to be on all the different committees of the APP, to do all the different volunteer work behind the scenes that goes into making the world's largest body piercing conference and putting out a quarterly newsletter and maintaining a website and maintaining social media presence. And you know, looking at all the different people that apply for membership and just having to process all those different videos and applications and then monitor membership, you know, make sure that any sort of complaints are listened to and, and acted upon, you know, new policies written and enforced, all these different things. It is such a mountain of work. When I was coming up in this industry, you know, I would always look at the board of directors as just, you know, oh, that's a well-known piercer and, you know, they're they're teaching in a class or something like that. Or maybe they're, they're saying, okay, well, we should do X, Y, or Z at conference. And I kind of thought that that's where it began and, and ended. And then when I got the opportunity to be on the board and, you know, seeing how the sausage is made, seeing behind the curtain uh, and just really understanding and appreciating the sheer volume of work that goes on by a very small amount of volunteers. Uh, it's super impressive. Uh, I really appreciate every minute that I that I spent working on all these different projects, and e you know, even if they were difficult to work on, you know, ones that you know you, you kind of saw maybe the uglier side of the industry or certain issues, or you just got really frustrated working on something, you know, uh, just something as simple air quotes simple as making a new website for the app was like almost a year year and a half of solid work on the part of a bunch of people you know so there's just so much going on behind the scenes so if you're a body piercer out there and you just like to go on facebook and rip the app apart as saying they're out of touch or they're not doing any work or any of this or any of that um you're really kidding yourself and it's really just because you do not understand what's going on behind the scenes you know i, I know that this election cycle started to make people really think about who should be on the board and who should be doing what. Um, I think that the people incoming on the board of directors are going to do awesome with it. And I just hope they're ready for the sheer volume of work. Uh, I'm sure they are because they're all, uh, you know, proven individuals who, who get a lot of work done. But, you know, just for everybody else out there who votes in elections or, you know, talks about, thank you for nominating me. It's such an honor. You know, you really have to understand what the, the weight and the consequences of you accepting nominations and running for the board or even voting for someone on the board. Like it's serious work. It's serious adult work, even if we work in an industry where we're trying to avoid serious adult work. 
So uh, huge props to everyone behind the scenes for the APP. Huge props to all the members out there, especially the new members in 2018. I'm sure it was a, a mountain that you had to move to become a member. You know, it's really hard work. Sometimes you're changing your studios, you're changing your lifestyles, you're changing your jewelry selections, you're changing your relationships with your staff, you know, to, to make it happen. And uh, I definitely appreciate all your hard work. And I want to say welcome to the APP. Time to roll up your sleeves and, and do some more work with us. But I'm really excited to see where uh, the APP goes in, in 2019, even if I'm not going to be on the board of directors at the end of the year. This show itself has been kind of a love-hate relationship for me over 2018. If you've been listening to the show for a while and you listen kind of consistently, you can hear kind of the ups and downs of my enthusiasm with it. I really do like the show. Um, you know, I bordering on love the show sometimes. And it, it really makes me feel like I'm doing something of value when I talk to other body piercers or I hear them talking to each other and, and say that they got any sort of information at all off the show, you know? So I know that each show, you might not get your, your money's worth for the entire hour or however long the episodes are, but even if there's just one little minute, even if there's just one little statement that helps out a body piercer out there, then I think it was worth all of the time and all of the effort. So thank you for listening. Uh, you know, I know I say that usually every show, but I really just want to drive home that fact that I wouldn't be doing this show if there weren't people out there listening to the show. So thank you for taking the time uh, out of your day, out of your week, out of your, whatever your routine is, and actually stopping and listening to some cheesy podcast from some dude in New Hampshire that you may or may not actually know. Um, I really do appreciate it. And I am up to 40,000 listens on my podcast, which I am overwhelmed by. Doubly so when you think that those don't even uh, include Spotify listens. So I've got 40,000 listens on every platform, not including Spotify. Spotify has this weird thing where they kind of like re-upload your track from your server and then they have their own like internal logistics and analytics and all that stuff that I actually don't have access to. So I have no idea how many people actually listen to my show on Spotify. I know that before my show went on Spotify, I was getting something like a thousand listens a week on all my other providers, you know, whether it was Stitcher or uh, Apple Podcasts or wherever else people listen to podcasts. But then uh, when I, I, I switched over to Spotify as one of my main hosts, um, I lost the analytics for that. And I'd say that the, the listenership dipped a little bit as far as the other analytics because I think so many people were jumping over to Spotify. But I don't really know how many people over on Spotify. I'll assume it's a good handful. But with, with uh, you know all the other platforms, I've got 40,000 listens. And I've done, uh, well, you know, an episode every week, you know, minus maybe one extra. I took a, a little bit of time off for the holidays. So, you know, 51 episodes that I put out of this stupid show. And I really um, hated some of them. Not the actual content, but just the effort of like, you know, finding a body piercer who's available, finding time in their schedule, talking to them for an hour or so, and then re-listening back to that episode for, you know, anywhere between one and three hours it would take me to edit down a one-hour interview. Sometimes people say a lot of ums and ahs or lots of pauses or they want to, you know, retake a, a sentence and I go through every week and I'm the one editing all that, all that dead air and all like the coughs and sneezes and ums and ahs or as many as I can. And it takes a lot of time, sometimes more than others, but you know, usually every interview has at least one to two hours of editing work in the interview. And then I have to record the intro and 
put it all together in the, the program that I'm using, Audacity. If anybody's out there who's interested in getting into podcasting, Audacity is the program that I use for uh, editing. And, uh, you know, it's a good amount of work. You know, I upload it and I run a stupid Facebook page and all that stuff. And uh, I do it because I love body piercing. And I feel like it's a way that I can contribute. And I really just try to think, you know, what would baby Ryan want all those years back when I first started body piercing and I had no one to talk to and I had nowhere to get my information. And I didn't even know about BME yet. And I just had this vague understanding that there was a thing called the APP, but you know, I, I didn't know, uh, I didn't know anybody. I didn't have friends in the industry for a long time. So I'm trying to think about those body piercers, those body piercers out there who absolutely love body piercing and it's their you know long-term career and they just want to get every little piece of information they can but they don't have the opportunity to get out and shadow or get out and go to a conference or just hang out with other piercers and, and chat you know i would go around to to different events and i would have these amazing life-changing conversations with people you know i remember talking to anna in croatia when i was over there getting my tooth fixed from uh, from her dentist friend and just talking to to her about her life and her career and her studio. And it was this amazing conversation that really just changed my outlook on what is the the line for success? You know, is it money or is it happiness or, or what is it? And I was thinking to myself, I have to capture these conversations and I have to share them with other body piercers because if it's life-changing for me, it could be life-changing for someone else. So that's what really kind of started me down this path of doing podcasts, just thinking like, I can't be the only one that hears these stories, you know? Not that I'm the only one, but I think you get what I mean. Like, I really had to share it with people that don't have the opportunity to hear it firsthand. So uh, thank you for listening. I'm going to keep them going in, in 2019. I know sometimes I talk about dropping the whole weekly thing, and I can't promise that at the end of 2019, I'm still going to be doing weekly shows, but I can promise you that I'm still going to be working on the show in, in some form or fashion. I'm going to keep it going for you for everybody out there. So, you know, let's try to think of it as, as your show and not necessarily my show. So if you want to hear anything particular, if you're sick to death of hearing about anything that I talk about too much, you let me know and I'll talk about something else and uh, we'll figure it out. Okay. But keep in mind too, there's another great podcast out there. Will Von Doom is doing his podcast, Real Talk. Uh, talks about some really serious issues, talks about with some some really serious piercers and you know has a lot of fun on the show too. So if you're into this whole podcast idea, um, give Will's podcast a shot too. Real Talk, a piercing podcast with Will Von Doom. I'm sure you can get it on all the same platforms. And then uh, Luis Garcia also has his video posts on YouTube. I'm not sure how frequently he's doing them, but I know that Luis is just a, a fountain of information and he's very very sassy and Cuban. So uh, listen to his information too. And you can, you can learn a lot just by, uh, you know, hearing a bunch of crotchety old timers blabber on about their job. Another project I was working on in 2018 was the New Hampshire Body Art Advisory Panel, uh, another volunteer position. It's basically myself and two other body art practitioners from New Hampshire. And we basically just advise the state about what their regulations should be. And it is just been, it's been an amazing experience. It's been a really dry bureaucratic experience, but it's been really beneficial to me and to the, the state itself, just being able to understand the process a little bit better. And thankfully, uh, I just want to say a, a big thank you to, to Catherine, who's the head of our panel. And Catherine is really engaged, you know, does a lot of work with cosmetology and aesthetics and things like that, and knows all that stuff backwards and forwards. But she'll probably admit too, she doesn't know as much about body art as she might like. And that's really the same case with just about everybody else who's a regulator for body art in New Hampshire. They don't 
don't really understand our industry. So we have to work against a lot of preconceived notions. Uh, you know, tattoos are just for uh, drunken sailors, bikers, junkies, you know, the, the unsavory types. So, you know, we have to do a lot of kind of ambassador work of just showing, hey, we're professionals. We care about the, the general public's health. Uh, we also care about people being able to, to make a comfortable living in, in this industry. So we got a lot done. Uh, sometimes working on the APP board of directors, uh, a, a project can get bogged down for a long time. It's still moving forward, but it's moving forward in different forms. There are lots of different committees, people working behind the scenes that aren't necessarily working with you, but they're they're working in unison. But with the New Hampshire Body Art Panel, I'm involved in you know all those conversations and and all those meetings and everything, and it's really it's really incredible to be able to see something go from just a conversation to an actual law you know, a law that governs the, my job, you know, and it's, it's really cool to, to be a part of that. And I just want to say thank you to the state of New Hampshire for allowing actual practitioners to get involved in regulating their own industry. So some of the things, uh, we, we worked on this year really, you know, you would think that they would be minor things, but they're going to have a huge impact in the state. Number one, uh, apprenticeship overhaul. So before in New Hampshire, one artist could have an unlimited amount of apprentices and you could really imagine how that can be taken advantage of. So, uh, one good example is with microblading. If you're not familiar with microblading, it's, you know, basically a cosmetic tattooing of the eyebrows, um, with this little blade that basically scratches the skin and then you rub in a pigment. So it looks kind of like a natural hair, sort of, you know, it doesn't really look, look like makeup, doesn't really look like, look like a tattoo, but it looks like a reasonably natural eyebrow. It's a great process, a lot of really talented people doing it, but you also have a lot of people trying to take advantage of the clientele willing to pay for that service. So you have a lot of people who do hair and who do nails and who do other um, cosmetology type things that aren't body art. They might have some training as far as hygiene and safety, but they don't really understand the, the risks that come with breaking someone's skin. It's called microblading. You're using a little tiny blade to basically cut someone open. It's essentially a small version of ink rubbing scarification, if you really think about it. That required you to have a tattooer's license uh, because it was a, a cosmetic tattoo. So people were maybe taking advantage of the system. You'd have one tattooer who would sponsor multiple apprentices um, and you know people would basically pay and say, hey, just apprentice me, sign off on my paperwork so I can start doing this microblading thing. You know, apprenticeships in New Hampshire legally take a full year. And I would be shocked if those people who were, who were offering uh, those apprenticeships were actually monitoring someone and actually giving them a solid apprenticeship for for a full year. So we kind of closed the loophole on that, basically saying uh, one artist can have one apprentice and that is it, one apprentice at a time. You can't just be an apprentice factory cranking them out and just signing people's paperwork. So that alone will be a big deal. You know, there were other little improvements we made to the apprenticeship program saying, you know, you, okay, you have to actually track hours and progress and you have to do this and you have to do that and you actually have to teach people, you know, the safety and the skills. You can't just kind of like sign off on a piece of paper and just let them do whatever they feel like doing. So we got to make some really significant improvements there. I think that's going to have a huge impact on public safety over the next few years. Um, we we took some really serious step forward on uh, having a, an actual studio license. Um, studios in New Hampshire are not licensed, which freaks me out because they used to be. There used to be a studio license and a practitioner license. Now there's just a practitioner license, and we basically have a, a kind of an honor system thing like 
in the individual practitioner's licenses, it says, okay, you need to do X, Y, and Z for safety. But since there's no studio inspection, uh, it's just kind of like, we're trusting you to do it because there's no studio license. So that means the, the state doesn't have oversight to send in an inspector. So, you know, if you think the place that cuts your hair gets an inspection, the place that cooks your food gets an inspection. But in New Hampshire, the place that sticks a needle through your body does not get an inspection, which freaks me out. So uh, we're, we're taking some really significant steps. I think in 2019, we're actually going to get back to having a, an actual studio license, and that means studio inspections also. So um, it's just been a, a great experience being in, involved in this panel. And uh, I think my term goes for another two years, you know, so I've gotten a lot done in, in just the first year of, uh, of this panel. Really excited to kind of see where it goes. And um, it just feels good to actually get something done. Final thank you before I get into some of my uh, Q&A stuff is just to say thank you to my, my staff, my, my studio, uh, Precision Body Arts in Nashua, New Hampshire. You know, I've got a great, great, great crew of people that I really just wouldn't been able, I, I can't work without you, you know? So I don't, I don't say it every day. You know, some days I am grumpy boss Ryan. Some days I am friendly buy everybody lunch Ryan. Um, but I really just want to say super thank you. You know, I've got my tattooers. I've got Kevin McKeating, Nick Kelly, Dave Hustleby, Rich Van, and Alicia Thomas. I, I really just want to say thank you for putting up with me, um, both personally and professionally. Uh, it, it means a lot that you stick with me, and I hope you know that I'm going to stick with you. Uh, tattooers can come and go in some studios, you know, but my crew, they stick around, you know. Uh, Kevin has been with me since the beginning. He's been with me since 2001, you know, so I really just want to say a huge thank you to, uh, to my staff. For body piercing, it's uh, really just me and, and Evan Quino. You know, Evan is, I'd say, the superstar of the shop right now. You know, I for a long time, I worked six days a week, sometimes seven days a week. Uh, I'd, I'd work all the time, you know, and I was just there and it was my life, you know, and I didn't really get to do a lot of other things in my life. I didn't really get to travel. I didn't really get to attend different conferences very easily. It was really difficult for me to get coverage. Um, but Evan is just super helpful around the shop. He's really hungry to, to get as much as he can out of his, uh, out of his career. I got to meet Evan through his, through his wife. He eventually came on as counter staff and then eventually turned into a jewelry sales assistant. And then eventually I offered him his piercing apprenticeship and he's been a licensed piercer for a few years now. And I really just want to say, I'm super impressed by all your hard work and, you know, thank you again for, uh, for doing everything you do in the shop. I wouldn't be able to uh, make all the different connections and go to all the different conferences without someone solid at, at home at the shop, you know, that I, knowing that I don't have to worry about what's going on at the shop, knowing that quality work is going to be put out every single day while I'm gone is just, it's, it's great. You know, I can sleep at night when I'm on the road and uh, it's just, uh, I really appreciate the people that stick with me. Um, I want to say, uh, again, thank you for Aaron Foster, even though uh, Aaron is not working at our studio anymore. He moved out to Soul Tribe in Denver. Just want to say I'm thinking about you, buddy. I love you. I miss you. I hope you're doing really well out there. Um, Aaron was my piercer for years. Uh, I apprenticed him also before Evan Quino was the, the piercer. Aaron was my guy. So just want to say, you know, super thank you. Hope you're doing well out there. I'm sure you are. And the people working on the, the counter. You know, I've got uh, Emily Vassar, I've got Sam Kelly. They do such a huge amount of work and, you know, they care about the work too, you know. So I know that every now and then, 
you know, you, you kind of kick back and you relax and you have an easy day. And that's exactly what I would expect if it's slow, you know, but when, when something needs to get done, they get the work done and it's great. And I really appreciate them. Um, I've got Rob, my new guy doing uh, jewelry stuff right now. And who knows, he might get some opportunities in the future. So really just want to say, you know, thank you to everyone on, on staff. I, I really do appreciate you. And uh, I wouldn't be able to, to keep the shop going without you. And I don't think I'd want to either. I think it's really cool to have more of a family vibe than just kind of like a staff and employer kind of vibe. So uh, thanks for putting up with me. Okay, so now that I've gotten all the boring stuff out of the way, all the different thank yous and year-end stuff, if you're still listening, I've got some Q&A for you. So uh, again, thank you to everyone who submitted a question on that Google form. You can still find it online. It's still on the Piercing Wizard podcast website. It's still on the Piercing Wizard podcast Facebook page. So if you if you do want to ask a question in the future, it'll still be available. I'll still get the alerts. I can still talk about stuff on the show. But I'm going to talk about a few now that I just got recently. The first question I want to answer is, uh, what do you wish all your piercing clients would do to make things easier for you? Well, that that's kind of a, a, a leading question. Um, I don't really think that the clients are, are doing the wrong thing. You know, I don't want to make a business or try to make clients feel like they have to know everything before they walk through the door. It certainly helps, you know, when clients have certain little things, at, you know, done, like the etiquette is a huge thing, you know? Just think when you go into any store, smile, be polite, don't be rude, you know, little little stuff like that, you know, just don't be a jerk in general. That's, that's great. And I, I'd love to say that every client is the most amazing person ever, and most of them really are. Every now and then we get a, a kind of a rotten tomato where someone's having a bad day, or someone's a little bit grumpy, and that can be a little bit tough. But, you know, I'm sure that I'm that client a lot of times going into a store. You know, I don't want to have that uh, expectation that everybody is going to be a perfect angel when I'm sometimes a dick in a store too. So I, I think the, the best things that clients can do is uh, just have a, a good concept of what you what you want to get done or what you specifically don't want to get done. You know, you don't have to know the name for everything. But uh, at least having an idea of, let, let's say, like, if it's on your ear, you know, what, what part of the ear, just so that you can describe something to me. And that's when it's great to just, you know, you can bring in a picture from Instagram or from Pinterest and point, but it can get a little bit frustrating when someone says, okay, I want, um, I want a rook piercing, and they just kind of point at their ear. But they're not actually talking about a rook piercing. They're talking about maybe a tragus piercing or a daith piercing or a conch piercing or a whatever piercing, you know. So if you don't know the name, try not to fake it. Try not to say the name if you're not sure what the name is. And, you know, maybe just kind of talk to the piercer a little bit. And, oh, you know, I'm not sure. Is this called the rook? Or, you know, this is what I'm looking for. That kind of stuff can be really helpful and, and really beneficial to make sure that you get on the same page uh, sooner rather than later, you know. Other than that, it's really just, you know, try to keep in mind that certain shops have certain policies that they need you to abide by. You know, um, IDs are a really good example. I'd say the the most frequent frustration that that clients unload on me is not knowing that they need certain paperwork when they when they bring in a minor for a piercing, and I completely sympathize with that. You know, people aren't psychics. Um, and sometimes if they don't ask a question, we might not be giving them a certain kind of information, you know, but when people come in and they just get angry that we're trying to be professionals and verify that you are the parent of a child or the guardian of a child, uh, before we pierce them, you know, that's, that's part of safety, you know, so 
uh, just understand that sometimes, you know, we have to have a zero tolerance policy, you know, and, and that's really going to be for IDs. If you don't have an ID uh, as a minor, if you don't have the birth certificate that we legally need, um, please try not to take it out on us. Definitely try not to take it out on my front counter staff because uh, that's not going to go well for you. But you know, just try to keep in mind that, you know, we say no for a reason sometimes, and it's not because we don't like you. It's because we have to say no, because the state or whatever governing body requires us to say no. You know, we need certain documents. We need certain things. We have certain age limits on different things. And just please keep in mind that we're doing that for safety reasons. Um, the other just huge thing that I would want clients to not necessarily know, but just be open to is, you know, services and products carry a cost with them, you know, and, and I'm sure that if you take the time, especially as a client, if you take it the time to, to listen to something like a, a body piercing podcast, you're probably going to be in that category of well-informed client already. Um, but keep in mind that, you know, if someone's charging, uh, $25 for a piercing and someone else is charging $100 for a piercing, there's probably going to be a big difference in the service that they offer. So just be open to that. Um, I would certainly hope that there aren't body piercers out there unnecessarily charging huge amounts of money for, for body piercing, you know, ripping people off, things like that. So just, uh, just realize that, you know, it costs a little bit more money to have a really nice sterilizer and to offer really nice jewelry and to have a well-trained body piercer. You know, it costs a lot of money to take those seminars or to go out to those conferences or to, you know, go to another town and, and shadow or something like that. So realize that people charge what they're worth in most situations. And if it's a, a higher price tag, uh, that usually means that it's either really fancy jewelry or a really fancy shop or a, a really experienced body piercer or a combination of those things. So that's really what I would like clients to, to keep in mind and know. Other than that, it falls on the body piercer to give the client's information. You shouldn't be requiring a client to read an encyclopedia before they walk through their door. Don't be a jerk. You're not an expert on half the things that you buy either. So, you know, trust that the person's going to come in with good intentions and then you want to be a professional and you want to give them all the information that they might need. So if someone comes in and they don't know what the name of the piercing is in their ear, you don't say, oh, well, that's a, that's a rook. You're dumb. Nah. Don't do that. You know, just say, oh, well, that's actually not the tragus, you know, that, that's the helix or, you know, that's this or, you know, no, actually, you know what, there, there's nothing to prove that that actually does something for a migraine. So, you know, I would love to offer that as a, a nice looking piercing, but we don't offer a body piercing for any sort of medical reason. Stuff like that. That's the tone you want to have. You're trying to educate people. You're trying to help them. You're trying to offer them a professional service, you know, trying to shame them because they're not already experts. If they were experts, maybe they'd have your job instead of whatever job that they have. So just kind of keep those things in mind. Uh, it's not really up to the client to know everything. It's up to the body piercer to share everything they can with the clients. This next one, it might be a little bit difficult to, to answer in just audio only. You know, a lot of times when I'm answering questions for body piercers, uh, I draw out these horrible sketches that I call riograms. I am, I am not a tattooer for a reason. I, I don't have artistic ability, uh, you know, not in the way that other people do that, that have gifts or skills, you know, with scarification, you know, I can recreate a lot of things. Like I can cut anything that I can get a stencil made of, you know, but a lot of times those stencils are uh, with a lot of help from Photoshop or a lot of help from Google 
Google Images, or you know, I'll pay one of my tattooers to help me with a drawing or something like that. So um, my my skills are not necessarily in the artistic things. My skills are in the technical things. So I can try to explain this in a in a technical way. Um, but if anybody has questions like this, and you're ever in proximity to me, whether it's at a conference or whether you know we're just in the same area coincidentally, um, I will gladly draw you out a terrible riogram and explain this better. So the question is, how do you correctly measure for an industrial type piercing that links two non-traditional parts of the ear and or include curves and bends in the barbell to avoid other parts of the ear, i.e. forward helix to conch industrial? So uh, that can be a little bit tough. And, you know, it was definitely incremental learning for me, a trial and error sort of stuff. So let's say forward helix to conch. That's kind of a tough example because uh, most people would, would have, you know, different ear shapes and that might not actually work for them viability wise. But you'd want to think the forward helix, that's going to be some sort of a curve to it. Okay. Uh, and then you're going to have a straight section that leads back into the conch, but there might be a secondary curve on that back end that, that enters the conch. So I, I've done this piercing before. Um, I probably got some pictures on social media of it. My old technique years and years ago, when I didn't really have the opportunity to have a lot of jewelry in stock in my studio, I would just have long barbells. And then I would take bending tools, usually brass jaw bending tools, or I would wrap the, the bending tool in gauze or vinyl tape or something like that to avoid scratch the jewelry and I would just put a bend on it you know and so what I would do is I would take a set of calipers and if you don't have a good set of calipers that you can fully sterilize buy them you know like so it's really easy to get fancy digital calipers and all these different things but you got to keep in mind that if you contaminate that once or if you want to use that during a piercing procedure um, you're not going to be able to sterilize it so you, you maybe have to toss it or you can try to disinfect it and hope that you got every nook and crevice but you probably didn't so you know get yourself just a solid metal pair of calipers it doesn't have to be digital just regular old analog calipers that you can uh, disassemble if you need to if there's things like screws or mechanisms you need to take that stuff apart to be able to fully sterilize it. I have ones that just slide on, slide off with uh, like loose tolerances that I can actually just fully process in an autoclave and sterilize. I think there are old ones from, from Pearson Surgical Supply or something like that. I think they say Pearson on them. But anyway, calipers. You would just basically open up the calipers and measure from point A to point B. And that's kind of your starting point, you know. So if you think the forward helix to um, the back of the conch is, let's say, an inch and a quarter, okay? And, but you're going to be involving uh, a little bit of extra room for any sort of swelling. You're going to have a little bit of extra length for any sort of bends you have to put on it. So maybe you'd start with like a one and a half inch barbell. You know, you can put a bend on it. Uh, you can do this and that. Normally what I would do now is I would just have multiple components. I would have a curved barbell section for the forward helix, and then I would have a little threaded universal joint from industrial strength, and that would screw on to usually a straight barbell section, and then maybe on the back end, maybe I'd have another threaded joint and another curved barbell section if I needed it, and then I would have whatever end pieces I want. So sometimes you can have you know, four, five, six, seven different pieces of jewelry connected to make the one thing that you need. That gets a little bit tricky. 
if you have the luxury of dealing with existing piercings, you can actually just take something like craft wire and you can take craft wire, smooth off the ends after you cut it so there aren't any sharp burrs, you don't want to scratch anybody, but you can just take that craft wire and you can just put it through their piercings and you can bend it and you can do all this stuff to make sure that it goes from point A to point B without you know adding any sort of pressure to the ear or the, or the piercing. Then you can take that wire itself and then you can slide it out of the piercing and you can look at it as kind of a jig or a guide for making your actual piece of body jewelry for it. That can be really beneficial for, you know, measuring really tight tolerances on lengths and stuff like that. You know, if you're doing it for an initial piercing where you can't slide the wire through an existing hole, it gets a little bit trickier there. You kind of have to be able to eyeball certain things and be able to visualize angles and shapes and pressure. But you really want to think, uh, you don't want to have to distort the tissue to be able to wear this piece of jewelry. So the jewelry should be bent in a way that once everything is installed, there shouldn't be any of those um, sections of, of white tissue. You know, white tissue meaning pressure squeezing the blood out of the tissue. You want everything to sit as natural and relaxed as possible uh, because if you have pressure, if something's getting pulled or pushed or, or something like that, it's probably not going to heal well. It's probably going to scar or something might migrate or something might even reject. So it's really difficult, you know, especially difficult without the rhyograms. Maybe I'll drop some stuff and put them on the Facebook page sometime, or maybe I'll make some videos for my, uh, my body art education page. I don't know, but uh, it's, it's tough, but it, you know, once you do it once or twice and you start to get the feel for it, it becomes a lot easier. So, you know, whether you're using one piece of jewelry and bending it or whether you're using multiple components and putting it together, um, it, it's all possible. And, and sadly, you know, that's not really called for much these days. You know, there was definitely a, a point in, in maybe, you know, around the 10 year mark of my career where that kind of stuff was maybe not an everyday thing, but you know, probably once a week or you know a handful of times a month i was doing some sort of like creative point a to point b industrial that wasn't just the standard helix to helix industrial you know so it was really cool um keep in mind that you know you can't put scratches on this jewelry you know if you're thinking about maybe you're, you're going to have to mar the jewelry or scratch the jewelry while you're doing this you should have a polishing station somewhere in your studio to be able to polish this stuff because if you scratch jewelry or you know, put an, a nick on it or something like that, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to damage somebody's piercing. It's going to cause scarring. So, you know, if it's a wearable section, something that's going to be through the person's body, needs to be totally smooth and, and nice and, and polished. Uh, you can also kind of cheat a little bit where you can do something like uh, commercially pure titanium, which is a really soft metal. And, you know, they can thread it just like other titanium pieces. So you can get one barbell and you can bend it. Sometimes you can even just bend it by hand uh, and you can have it go from point A to point B and you can do some really creative, interesting stuff with that. And I would really love to see that come back as a trend, you know, maybe if not in, in 2019, but, you know, slowly over the next couple of years. I know that everything kind of fashion cycles around, you know, and, and stuff like that is going to be cool and retro again. I'm sure that 90s style of, you know, rather than crazy blinged out end pieces and, and gold and, and sparkly stuff, you're going to you're gonna go back to that more just raw metal kind of look, which I think would be cool under certain circumstances. Uh, you know, some of those trends died for a reason. You know, I don't want to see spikes come back or anything like that. But I think it would be really cool to see some more creativity in piercing placement rather than just thinking about putting in the craziest, most iced out piece of body jewelry in a, in a standard piercing. Nothing wrong with standard piercings. I love, you know, tragus piercings and nostril piercings all day, but I do miss some of that creativity in body piercing. And I feel like some of my skills are, are kind of rusty now at this point, you know, and um, I would love the opportunity to do more stuff like that in the near future.
All right, this next one uh, is basically talking about who you can kind of look to for, for mentoring. Uh, who in the U.S. and U.K. piercing scene would you suggest to apprentice piercers to check out and maybe reach out to for advice or help? Well, you know, I don't want to sound biased, but I'm totally biased when it comes to who I look up to in, in the industry. You know, I am not at all impressed by how many Instagram followers you have and, you know, how many posts you make in a Facebook group and all that. You know, it's about quality and not about quantity to me. You know, so there are body piercers out there that don't get a lot of attention or, you know, they're not like the super internet famous body piercers, but they're just so good and, and so talented. Um, the, the first person who jumps out at me for the UK piercing scene would be Lola Slider. I, I was super impressed with Lola. I've mentioned her a few times on the show and she's been on the show a few times. Uh, Lola is a Scottish piercer and just really impressive, really good head on her shoulders, um, has a, a really good outlook on body piercing you know some people look at it as specifically an art some people look at it as specifically uh, a technique and, and technical kind of stuff Lola kind of looks at all of it together and kind of wraps it into her own style and is really good at articulating her ideas and her interests in body piercing so um, anybody who is a UK piercer uh, you know follow Lola Slider check out the information that she's putting out online if you get the chance to go to the the Glasgow Scotland area and you know maybe see if Lola is open to shadowing um, if you get the chance to go to the UK APP seminars Lola is a, a quickly rising star in that scene um, so you know teaching classes and working with their board of directors and stuff so uh, really cool to see that kind of work uh, come out of, of Scotland you know a couple of years ago the UK scene was not really known for um, you know, not to, not to sound like an asshole, but you know, it, it wasn't known for being like a quality hotspot in the world, but the UK has put in so much work uh, over the last couple of years, you know, the last five years, especially such a huge, sharp increase. And I, I just want to say like, bravo to everyone who's, who's putting in all the work over there, you know, inside the, the UK APP and outside the UK APP, there's a lot of really hardworking piercers in that market. And uh, I just want to say, you know, way to go. For Europe, um, let me think off the top of my head. There's Jane Absinthe in Germany. Uh, Jane uh, has been someone that I've known for a while through the, the BMXNet conference and has been really pushing for, uh, for higher standards. Uh, there's Cass Williams uh, in the Netherlands. There's uh, Andre Nalen in, in Germany also. Uh, Charlie LeBeau in the UK, Mike Hill in the UK, uh, you know, there, there are a lot of really impressive piercers in that whole area, you know, so if you're in that area, you know, try not to look at it as you're just trying to find like one superstar to, to listen to and, and worship or something like that, really just kind of get involved in the community and get involved in the scene. And, you know, start talking to the people that you agree with. You know, if you see someone with, with a, a good opinion and a good attitude, especially, um, talk to those people and, and you know, encourage discussion. Uh, but, you know, watch out for the people that are jerks because they're going to be jerks worldwide. And, you know, I know that that can be kind of a, a challenge for people in Europe and in the UK to, you know, sometimes one wet blanket in a forum just kind of kills everybody's conversation. So, you know, try to be a, a source of positivity when it comes to these things. Um, but again, you know, it's not all about uh, Instagram followers, you know, it's just about a good outlook and, and good information and, and sharing. When it comes to the U.S., 
Oh man, there, there's like, there's too many to list really, you know, so I, I kind of don't even want to go there. Um, there are so many piercers in the U.S. Uh, and so many competing egos in the U.S. that it's like, maybe just look to Canada or, you know, or, or something like that. U.S. piercers are great, um, but U.S. piercers can also be a little bit spoiled. So if you're an apprentice piercer, I think it should be more about um, who can you get to in your area? You know, it doesn't necessarily have to be, again, going to Instagram and looking who has the, the most followers uh, because you might end up with someone who just doesn't know what they're doing, but they're, they're paying for a bunch of followers. Um, try to think about who's in your area, who you can drive a couple of hours to have a cup of coffee with or shadow or something like that. There are so many awesome body piercers in the U.S. that it's kind of pointless to, to try to just like call out one or two. But there are hundreds of APP members around the U.S. at this point. So you can just go to safepiercing.org, type in your zip code, and you can see all the, the closest members to you. And then maybe just reach out to one of them and, and talk to them and say, hey, I'm an apprentice or I'm a newer piercer or I never really had a lot of mentoring. Would it be cool if I came to hang out with you for a little while and just kind of like shoot the breeze? Uh, you can get into forums and all that stuff too, but I would really like in, in 2019 to see people make more personal connections, you know, get off of Facebook a little bit and start to actually get out there in the world, get into other studios, whether it's the one down the street or whether it's one a, a state away, you know, and, and just make some friends, make some friends, look people in the eye, shake their hand, talk to them as a, as a human being. Facebook is getting pretty toxic and it's getting to be a pretty big turnoff for me. So many people go on there and they just want to be like, you know, a show off or a social justice warrior or something like that. And they're not actually really contributing anything positive. Um, they're, they just want people to be paying attention to them, you know, and that's not really what I want to try to encourage with body piercers who are looking for information. So get out there. There's a ton of amazing body piercers and, you know, try to meet them face to face if you can. Okay, wise guys, I'm sure this next one was meant to be a joke. What are you wearing? Okay, so you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to talk about the body jewelry I'm wearing. How's that? Uh, when I when I first started piercing, uh, or you know what, even let me take it back a little bit that. When I first started getting body jewelry, I, I remember I just wore crap. I wore whatever I could shove through uh, a piercing in my body, you know, so I wore a lot of crappy earrings when I was a kid, you know, the kind of stuff that you would get at just a jewelry store, um, the, the stuff that would like rot or turn green or gray when you wore it for, for too long. Uh, then I remember the first couple of pieces of body jewelry I got to buy. Oh my God, I could, I could get a captive bead ring for this or that. And so there was this generation of, of my body piercings where it was really just about having something to keep the piercing open. Uh, and then I think when I started to get like a little bit more exposed to body jewelry and what was available, I happened to be a very goth individual at the time. So I wore a lot of like black PVD coated externally threaded jewelry. And you can almost see that as like um, the, the phases of a body piercer. You know, it's like, okay, they're wearing who cares jewelry. And then they want to you know, go with the theme. So they're wearing all black jewelry and it's PVD coated that can chip and it's just not great stuff. PVD coating is basically like plated jewelry. Um, but you know, it was black and it was badass or so whatever. And I wore stuff that was just way too big and gaudy and just obnoxious looking. Then uh, I had the generation where I was like, all right, I'm carrying a lot of uh, internal thread titanium jewelry in my shop. So that's what I want to start wearing. So clients can see me wearing it. So then I had this whole generation of like, purple gems and 
uh, copper anodized titanium and, and all this stuff. And then, you know, after years, when I when I got to the point where I, my, my shop was a little bit stronger and I was starting to carry a lot more gold, there's that same kind of mentality of, you know, uh, I'm going to switch over to a lot more of the stuff that I'm selling now. So, you know, gold. And now I'm wearing rose gold and everything. So everything from the neck up, it's all pretty much rose gold in all my different piercings. I, I try to wear nice gemstones and stuff like that just so that when clients look at me, they see that I take jewelry seriously. And then that helps them to take jewelry more seriously. Uh, and that that's an important part of your studio. You know, you have to, you have to wear it if you want to be able to sell it. You know, nobody walks into a really expensive clothing store and buys those really expensive clothes from someone wearing, you know, crap that they bought at Walmart or, you know, some t-shirt, something like that, you know, so uh, dream it and be it kind of thing and, you know, live the lifestyle that you want to push on other people. Um, Everything neck down is really just all titanium stuff, Uh, a lot of big, like chunky jewelry. I'm still very like 90s style in my jewelry, you know, if I can stretch it and I can wear a giant piece of jewelry in it, that's what I'm going to do. But from the neck up, it's all... uh, know business professional but from the neck down it's all like 90s giant jewelry mess basically but uh thank you for that sarcastic uh question about what am i wearing as far as like clothing i'm wearing pajamas and a hoodie right now because i'm at home and fuck it this next one is what do you see happening slash want to see happen in the next 12 months for the piercing industry uh, well, you know, I, I think the piercing industry is as healthy as it's ever been, and I really would just like to see it uh, kind of continue. You know, it doesn't necessarily need to grow much more at this point. I think it could actually be a negative if it grows too large too fast, and I think we're seeing that in a lot of the body jewelry companies, unfortunately. Uh, it, it was It was a very organic, natural growth for years and years and years. It was like this kind of trickle sort of thing, you know, there, there'd be, um, this slow growth of APP members and piercers that were kind of moving from one tier of jewelry to another tier of jewelry, kind of organically, you know, step by step by step by step. And and that's really how I modeled my career. You know, it was, you know, do as much as you can now, try not to shoot for the moon or anything, you know, have a long-term goal, you know, you don't have to do everything right now. You know, that's, that's, unsustainable for a lot of different businesses and I think what we're seeing right now is piercers aren't working on a three-year plan a five-year plan a 10-year plan they're kind of falling into this peer pressure mentality of I need everything and I need it right now you know I am not a good piercer if I don't carry anatometal and industrial strength and body vision and you know the the craziest most expensive fancy things and I'm not a good piercer if I don't have a statum and I'm not a good piercer if I'm not using sterile gloves I'm not a good piercer if I'm not this and that and whatever and people are skipping over a lot of that organic growth and they're just copycatting what they see someone at a higher tier doing without necessarily understanding it or necessarily being prepared to to maintain that in their studio. I think what we're going to see is, uh, you know, maybe not as dramatic as like a, a bubble bursting, but I think we are going to see some some losses and some negative growth, some serious plateauing over the next year or so. I think some of these shops have expanded so fast that they might not be able to maintain it. Uh, and I, I think we're kind of seeing those similar problems in body jewelry companies. You know, some companies are, are you know, they're up to 20 weeks 
for for wait time on jewelry. And you know, that's not to knock the company. I'm sure they're they're busting their asses and they're they're putting out every piece of jewelry they can. But it's because you have all these different studios who weren't thinking, all right, I'm going to go from this brand to this brand and slowly work my way up and expand my client base and expand this and expand that. And they're just like, okay, I need triple A Cadillac jewelry. There's nothing wrong with driving a Ford worth driving a Toyota. Not everybody needs to drive the Bugatti of, of body jewelry, you know? Uh, so... I think that a lot of these companies that were jumping in uh, with with both feet are going to run into this logistics problem where they're like, well, shit, I'm out of a piece of jewelry and I don't have three or four rotating tiered orders on deck already. So it's like, man, I'm not going to be able to have this piece of jewelry that I need for five months if I order it today, you know? So I think a lot of those those shops are going to be kind of put into a pinch. You know, I, I think there are going to be some shops out there who are going to backslide and rather than slowly working down and saying, okay, what's another acceptable quality of jewelry, a, a manufacturer that I can work with? I think some of those some of those shops, when they don't have immediate success and, you know, have logistics they can keep up with easily, I think they might backslide, you know, and they might start dropping down to external thread jewelry again, or, you know, maybe not maintaining the subscription on their weekly spore tests or, you know, stuff, stuff like that. You know, it's a serious deal. If someone tries to run before they can walk uh, and they just can't maintain it, you know, so I, I see that happening. Um, I don't know that it's going to be wide scale. Maybe it'll just be a few shops, you know, but uh, I want everybody to kind of pay attention out there to to trends. You know, um, you don't have to just follow the leader. Sometimes you can create your own path. Um, that's what I would really like to see people doing is, you know, less of a herd kind of mentality and uh, finding what, what's appropriate for their studio, I think would be the best thing over the next the next 12 months. For me, uh, I've got another uh, four or five months on the APP Board of Directors. Um, once conference wraps up, that will be the official changeover where I'm not on the board anymore. And after that, I don't really, I don't really have it all worked out. But I think the majority of my free time in 2019 is going to be filled up with me doing my my private seminars. You know, I, I know I've talked about it a lot. You know, you can go to precisionbodyarts.com/seminars. You can follow Body Art Education by Ryan Willett on Facebook. And I, I really think that's going to be my my thing. Um, I would really love to be able to maybe make some big, bold moves, you know, maybe have it be something a little bit larger scale than just me teaching one subject for one day. You know, maybe if there are other markets that aren't being uh, serviced by their own conference, maybe I could try to put on uh, something with, you know, more than one instructor or maybe more than one day or something like that, you know. So I would love to kind of take a bite out of that apple. Um, I don't want to overdo it, though. I don't want to offer more than is uh, desired by a local market. I, I definitely don't want to just try to suck up all the oxygen in the world either. I want to encourage other people to offer their own education for local markets, you know, especially outside of the U.S. I, I don't think that the, the U.S. should have a monopoly on everything in the world, you know, body art education included. So I would like to see um, some more people offering their own organizations, offering their own conferences. I think there's some amazing work being done in Spain, in Russia, 
in Scandinavia, in in Germany, in South America, and Central America, and you know I I see probably Australia being a big growth market in the future. Um, wink, wink, out there to to Daniel. And you know I I just I think 2019 is going to be a kick-ass year for the body piercing industry, as long as people can just kind of keep their wits about them. Um, what I, I I could definitely tell you what I don't want to see happen in 2019 is more of this Facebook bullshit, uh, the whole like call out culture. It, it's I'm done with it. You know um, I I'm going to be really polite and professional while I'm still on the board of directors. But once I'm off the board of directors, if someone does something shitty or says something shitty or is just a shitty shithole shitbag of a person, I'm gonna. I'm just going to drop them from my life. You know, I'm not going to do that whole call out culture thing of like, Hey, everybody on Facebook, sick them. You know, um, if somebody earned, uh, just like, you know, being put onto a, an ice raft and, and pushed out into the ocean, then so be it. You know, I just want to drop negative toxic people from my life. And if that means that they're a piercing professional, then whatever, you know, um, take care of each other. You know, it's not a game of gotcha. You don't have to win on points. You know, be a nice person. Um, you know, sure, yeah, if you see somebody being dangerous, you, you know, you can do something to help other people. But I can tell you one of the least effective ways to help other people is just by whining about it on Facebook and being like, oh, nobody's doing this hard work that, I, that I'm going to complain about. You know, how about you just log off of Facebook and you do the work yourself? You know, um, if you don't like something going on, change it. If you don't like something in the APP, get involved, you know, be an instructor, uh, submit a proposal, write an article, run for the board of directors, get on a committee. If you don't want to do that, stop complaining. Basically, if you don't want to help, um, then you, then you're just another negative person in, in the industry. Um, so maybe think about that. Maybe think about 2019 as being the year where we actually make friendships instead of just tearing people apart. Um, you know, if you think that you're a, a good body piercer, the way you prove it is not by shitting on other body piercers and trying to tell them that they're terrible. The way to prove that you're a good body piercer is by mentoring someone and reaching out, you know, especially reaching out to someone that you don't know well, you know, and if you see someone putting out not great work online, don't just call them out in a forum and be a jerk about it. Send them a private message and say, hey, you know, I, I saw this, you know, you could maybe use some improvement. I'd love to talk to you about it. Why don't you come to my shop or, you know, why don't we hang out and talk about it over a cup of coffee sometime? Um, those are the those are the heroes in this industry. The, the heroes in this industry are not the people who just like sit back in a Facebook group or a, a forum and just like pick other people apart. You know, that's, that's just, that's negativity. I don't care how positive and what kind of ray of sunshine you, you think you're putting out there. It's, it's negativity, you know? So, um, do something in the real world and, you know, try not to think about Facebook as being the central hub of the body piercing community because it is not, um, clients are the central hub of the body piercing community. So take care of your clients, take care of each other. And that's really what I want to see happen in, in 2019. I don't, I don't know how you feel about it. Okay, so this question, I'm not really like the science guy when it comes to the industry. I think pretty much everybody who knows the industry even moderately well knows that Brian Skelly is the science guy uh, when, it, when it comes to this kind of stuff. But So this question is, 
Uh, and again, if you're not a body piercer, and especially if you're not a nerd body piercer, I apologize in advance. This is going to be a little dry. Uh, why is ASTM F138 steel better than 316 LVM steel? Same question for ASTM 136 titanium versus grade 23 titanium and ASTM, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, so uh, ASTM is American Society for Testing and Materials. Uh, and that basically just means that there's a whole bunch of nerds looking at science and making sure that the science lines up. And a lot of that is documentation. So when you think of steel, okay, let's ignore all the other stuff because again, I'm not the materials guy. Uh, when you think of steel, okay, there's nickel in steel. Um, steel is not 100% one material. It's an alloy. It's a mixture of different things. And the 316 is basically uh, like kind of the recipe for what's in the steel. You know, it has this, but it doesn't have this. That's what makes uh, a grade of steel 316 L, uh, 316 steel. Then when you think uh, 316L steel, that's uh, low carbon steel, uh, which has something to do with strength. And then when you have the VM in 316LVM, that means vacuum melted. So 316 is the recipe, L is low carbon, and VM is vacuum melted. That basically means that it's uh, steel, you know what's in it, and it's, it's made a, a certain way. Um, now, ASTM F138 steel can be pretty much the same stuff as 316 LVM steel, but it just means that there's a higher level of verification as to where that recipe was cooked, basically. You know, when you have something that's, you know, 20% this, 30% this, 14% this, um, you wanna make sure, it, it's just like, you know, it's like a kitchen. You wanna make sure that the, that the kitchen is clean. You wanna make sure that the ingredients are from good sources. You know, you can have recycled materials getting turned into body jewelry. You know, you can have recycled materials getting melted down into slag and then mixed into something. And then, you know, if you're making um, a car frame out of it, it's not a big deal. But if you're making body jewelry out of it, it is a big deal. So when it comes to ASTM, American Society of Testing and Materials, uh, they're basically taking this stuff and they're saying, okay, these are the ingredients of your recipe. Um, show us your sources. Is this like Whole Foods quality or is this like convenience store flour quality? You know, like there, there, there are different qualities of those ingredients uh, when, it, when it comes to the recipe of what's in the metal. Um, when it comes to the, the VM, the vacuum melt process, that would basically cut down on like airborne contaminants, you know, dust and debris and, and you know, stuff that you don't want in your um, molten slag getting turned into metal. So the, the quality of this stuff is really in the, uh, the manufacturing process and the, uh, the supply chain. You know, a, a, a big frustration dealing with uh, stuff on the APP board, you know, not necessarily in my wheelhouse, but uh, when it comes to a body jewelry manufacturer, it's really easy for a body jewelry manufacturer to say, oh yeah, Totally, like you can look at our jewelry with the naked eye. It's got a decent polish. It's internally threaded jewelry. And we're gonna tell you that it's, you know, this grade steel or this grade titanium. And they're not saying that maliciously. They're not trying to say like, oh, ha ha ha, I melted a paperclip and I turned it into a barbell. I'm gonna get one over on the APP. That's not what it is. What the problem is, is that they're uh, ordering materials from a, a manufacturer, you know, whether it's in the US or in Canada or in Asia, most likely a lot of the stuff is gonna be getting done in, in Asia. 
uh, and basically the the manufacturer uh, is saying, oh yeah, it's totally this material that you need. You know, if you tell us, oh, okay, you need um, ASTM F138 steel, F136 titanium, this grade, that grade, like, oh yeah, sure, no problem, we've got that. Look at that, that pile of metal over there, that's totally the metal that you want. And uh, they can make, uh, they can make uh, material certifications that would basically parrot that and say, oh yeah, it's totally this. But the problem is, um, if it's outside of the jurisdiction of, uh, I think the other one is called FISO maybe or something like that, but there, there are different governing bodies that uh, research these materials and certify them. And some of these manufacturers are outside of the jurisdiction of something like ASTM. So you don't have someone actually verifying that the materials were made uh, under the right conditions and in the right environment. And then when you have that raw stock that can't be verified getting turned into body jewelry, it doesn't matter if the jewelry looks nice or if it's got a decent polish or if it's in internally threaded or, or whatever, uh, because you can't verify the recipe. You know, it's like if you go into a restaurant and you say, I am deathly allergic to... Um, you know, this, that, or whatever ingredient. And then the, the chef is just like, oh yeah, yeah, don't, don't worry about it. There's, there's nothing in there. Uh, and you're like, okay, but can I actually see what, you know, what's in your kitchen or can I see what the ingredients list is? And they're like, no, 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 no. But you know, trust us, you know, there's no, there's no nuts in it. Um, it's, it's kind of like that when it comes to material. So, um, 316 LVM and ASTM F138 can be essentially identical materials. But carrying that label of ASTM F138 means that the, uh, the provenance of that 316 LVM material can be fully verified, that it was made in the right facility, under the right conditions, from the right ingredients, so it can be certified as ASTM F138. Uh, any manufacturer that can prove that it's ASTM certified will prove that it's ASTM certified because it's, you know, it's, it's a big selling point. So if someone can't verify it or if someone can't give you um, good material certifications or mill certificates, things like that, uh, they're going to provide them. You know, so if someone's not providing something like a, a mill certificate or a material certification, you know, maybe don't trust their jewelry. You know, that that's the huge bottleneck right now is you have all these different manufacturers, uh, whether it's, you know, a group of studios or, you know, whether it's a, a company that was manufacturing something that, that didn't meet APP standard and now they want to manufacture a line that can meet APP standard. It's all about the mill certificates. It's all about the certification. It's all about the verification. Um, so 316 LVM might not necessarily be a bad material, but if you can't prove that it's made under certain conditions and with certain ingredients and you know it's alloyed in the correct way, if you can't prove and verify that, it's not really worth a lot in my opinion. But it's tough because a lot of these companies, they're not experts either. They're not scientists. We're not scientists. Most of us aren't scientists anyway. So we, it's, you know, a lot of it is trust. And for me, um, you can trust. ASTM mill certificates. You can trust that that verification. You can't necessarily trust some just random mill certificate that was issued in China and their testing is all in-house. It's not third-party verified, things like that. So you, you can get a little apprehensive, you know, justifiably. So uh, it might not necessarily be bad jewelry, 
but you also can't necessarily prove that it's good jewelry. So it gets a little bit tough. There are all different kinds of classes and articles and information you can read online. The majority of it is written by Brian Skelly. He's involved with the ASTM pretty heavily. Uh, you know, his information is, is definitely reliable and verifiable, most importantly. But uh, for me, a lot of it is, you know, I kind of just repeat the information that I hear the smarter people talk about. I don't want to make it seem like I am like the science mind uh, when it comes to body piercing. You know, I trust verification and ASTM verification is something you can definitely bank on. So I think that's going to kind of wrap it up for this 2018 episode of the Piercing Wizard podcast. I've got some episodes already recorded for 2019. I've got a couple more planned also. So I'm going to kind of going to keep this train rolling for you. Again, thank you so much for paying attention to all the stupid crap that I put out. Uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to listen. Any sort of like social media interaction you do telling other body piercers that the show exists or, or, you know, sharing it or, you know, just, just subscribing, you know, little stuff like that makes me feel so happy, um, that I, I can't really put it into words. Um, I just want to say, you know, take the time to reach out to the people you care about, you know, whether it's for new years or just, you know, over the course of the year, the people that you care about, tell them that you care about them. You know, there, there are a lot of people in my life where, you know, I haven't been a great friend in 2018. Uh, I definitely, you know, have had some struggles with my personal relationships, uh, and I'm going to try to, you know, be the best person I can in, in 2019. All you can do is try. I'm not about to make any sort of promises. Um, and, you know, I would encourage you all to do the same, you know, just take care of each other, be kind to each other, be a source of inspiration, try not to be a show off, you know, be a mentor, make some friends, make some connections, you know, let's keep this industry going. Um, you know, the people out there listening could potentially be the future, you know, of, of the industry. You could be the APP president someday. You could be the person teaching classes at conference someday. You know, it just takes hard work. It takes kindness and it takes compassion to, to, to really truly be successful, uh, in, in life, you know, so keep those things in mind. Uh, I'm getting all sappy. Thank you for uh, just, you know, being out there. I, I appreciate every kind thing you've said. I also appreciate every not kind thing you said because it tries, you know, makes me be better at what I'm doing. Uh, and keep listening because I'm going to keep going in 2019 and I will see you next year. For more information about the show, visit piercingwizardpodcast.com or like Piercing Wizard Podcast on Facebook. For more info about your host, visit precisionbodyarts.com or search Ryan PBA on Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr. If you enjoy the show, you can subscribe on iTunes, Apple Podcast, and Google Play. Music by Benny B. Blanco. Show copyright 2017, Precision Body Arts, LLC. All rights reserved. <laughs>